You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Uh, I have a yodeling pickle. I do. I do. I, I have a yodeling pickle, and and this is. A, I mean, obviously, it's. I don't. I'm not as close to it as you are with the cat, but it, but it does live in our our tech who's warranty who's actually from Boston. Uh, it lives in his uh, work case, and before every show, I use the yodeling pickle to for my sound check. Because I don't want to play, I don't want to play chords. And Alice likes to like say, "Look, no, no sound, no musical sounds before the show starts, before the intro tape. None of this, you know, rap, rap, rap." So, so what I have is this yodeling pickle, and it's basically um, press a button, it yodels. I put it right next to the pickup of the guitar. And then I can adjust my in ears to, to the <gasps> sound, and now I know we've done enough shows. We've done hundreds of shows with a yodeling pickle. But but the thing is, it comes through the through the speaker. It's a pickle. But everyone always wonders what the fuck is that sound? And now I just gave it to you. It's the yodeling pickle that we sound check with. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of 2020. I'm here, Siobhan Cronin, with my friends, Benny Goodman and Corey Peza. How's it going, guys? It's going really well. And yeah. and Benny is debuting his uh, Belleville. I don't know the proper Not spelling. Not debuting. Belleville De- has seen some. Well, time. debuting on the intros, perhaps. But anyway, stay tuned for this episode. We have part two today with Ryan Roxy. Go back and check out part one if you haven't yet. And of course, go to 2020-D.com. Like and subscribe. Watch the YouTube cast. These these podcasts are more and more visual as we go yeah, along. Yep. So you definitely want to tune in to all the, the visual elements here. See, um, you can see how Ryan got creeped out by <laughs> Ben's stuffed, crocheted animals. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so anyway. Yeah, as, as you know, just like part one, uh, Ryan's great. Really good stories. Good old rock and roll stories. Ryan Playing Roxy, our guest. I said Ryan Roxy. Did I introduced you? him. Yes. Uh, yeah. I was so, too busy dancing as Belleville cathartically. Yeah. Just just warming up the uh, go to the, the go the to the YouTube and subscribe if you haven't so far because that's the whole point. Also said if you that. haven't seen Belleville, <laughs> yes. you need to. So you could not sleep ever. And here's to redundancy. Here's part two with Ryan Roxy on 2020. All right. Hello and welcome to another episode of 2020. My name is Corey Peza here as always with my co-hosts and cohorts, I was trying to say, and co-hosts at the same time, uh, (laughs) Siobhan Cronin and Benny Goodman. How you guys doing? Doing pretty well. How's it going? It's going great. I'm I'm, I'm fantastic. Thank you for asking. I'm very happy to hear that, Ben. Uh, And super happy to welcome back Ryan Roxy for part two. Uh, If you haven't checked out part one, make sure you go back and, and take a look. I mean, just... Super, super cool dude. We appreciate you uh, taking your time with us and great, great more stories. More than a dude, Corey. <laughs> Tuning you know in from weird? Sweden, Is too. None of us have showered or changed clothes since the last I time sh- we met. That's <laughs> weird. That is just weird. We That's tried just- that once, but then we actually, we broke the suspension of disbelief. We let people know we did two in a day. And if we don't do two in a day, people know that people just don't like us that much. And they're like done with us by the end of the first hour. Yeah, yeah so we Thank you for sticking around, man. We appreciate it. Thank you for sticking around for five days in the same clothes. <laughs> yeah, man. Thank you for having me. Alice obviously- Cooper ritual. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it is. So in so, our last episode, we talked a lot about being an Alice Cooper band, a lot of your other great stories and experiences. I'm curious about how you got into that. Um, like maybe fill us in a little bit. You mentioned moving to L.A. and some of the early heydays of living there, a lot of cool experiences. How did you meet Alice or what were some of the projects that led up to that maybe? I think every project that you do leads you to your next band or your next project. Um, when I do clinics or when I go out and do um, any sort of events where I'm talking about it. I say, hey, look next to you, the band members that you're with, and be cool to them. <clears throat> you know, don't, don't try your best not to split up because of musical differences, which usually means, you know, there's some sort of strife that's not anything but musical. Um, try and be cool with the band members that you are in a band with now because they will open the door to the um, next gig that you have. And that's exactly what happened with Alice Cooper because 
Um, before I was playing uh, with Alice, I was playing with Gilby Clark. And uh, Gilby and I had had a long history together since the um, mid-80s. We played in a power pop band called Candy. And I say power pop because it was definitely loud Marshalls, Marshall amps and Les Pauls. But the, the songs we were playing were more uh, pop driven and um, just like the Raspberries. It was an influence and Mark Bowen, T-Rex, Cheap Trick, obviously a huge influence in that. So it wasn't bubblegum pop, but at the same time, it was guitar driven heavy pop, which... Uh, eventually is, is always followed me in all my solo stuff um, and a lot of the stuff that I contributed with Alice. Um, I've always tried to put that pop element, um, which goes back again to AM radio growing up in the Bay Area because there was a huge element of that. But I played in a band called Candy and we um, played pretty much everywhere in Los Angeles that we could. That was with Gilby. Uh, that band splintered off into two different bands called, one was Kill for Thrills, and the other was Electric Angels. And Electric Angels eventually moved to New York, um, and we got our record deal with Atlantic. We lost our record deal with Atlantic. Um, we definitely were, you know, lost in the Atlantic, I guess, for, for, for a few years until I moved back to Los Angeles. And um, during that time, Gilby had gotten into another band, a small band you might have heard of called Guns N' Roses. And, um, Wait, he's not Buckethead. <laughs> he's not. He was, he was the original Buckethead, I guess. He was the, he, so he was the, um, he actually had come in right after Izzy Stradley. I love, so I, I love Guns N' Roses. All the Where's Izzy is Where's Gilby and Gilby Izzy. It kind of was a, it was a great fit. I, it was you the know? first, yeah, well, it was the first time that, you know, because uh, people that love, it was the front of the fucking record, and that's only because the record label wouldn't put the real cover on the front of Appetite for Destruction, but it had a picture of Izzy, so people wanted Izzy, you know what I mean? Like, I almost say that, like, Richard Fortas has, like, a very Izzy look to him, um, no. but, you know, Gilby Clark stepped into those shoes, but he was a great guitarist, um, but what was that like, you know, I think well, Gilby was the perfect, per Gilby was the perfect fit for that band at that time. I loved him in it. And you, you have to understand, Gilby kind of got into Guns N' Roses at the very best time you could get into it because it was right from that switch of, you know, headlining theaters and, and, and doing arena tours, probably more or less as a support act, to all of a sudden being headlining stadiums. So he kind of just did... Metallica you know, Guns N' Roses, man. Yeah. Faith I, No More. I, I, that was an awesome I remember awesome him tour. calling me saying... Soundgarden. I was the band Electric Angels. We were all living in New York, and I remember him calling me saying, hey, uh, Roxy, you want to come out and see me play uh, tomorrow night? And I go, yeah, I'll come see your new band. Where, 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 who are you playing with? And he goes, well, well, let me just tell you the venue we're playing. <laughs> I said, okay, where are you playing at? Because this was, you got to understand, this was before... You know, everybody could post up what the shit, what the hell was happening. There right. wasn't like a story to be heard. No, it had to come out in a cycle, and it usually took a long time. And and Gilby got into Guns N' Roses so quickly that he had to learn literally in one or two weeks. He had to learn forty or fifty songs for oh this huge tour. He calls me up and he says, "Hey, um, I'm playing Madison <coughs> Garden." I said, "What?" What band are you in? He goes, I'm in Guns N' Roses. I said, are you fucking kidding me? And so it was actually that sort of surreal, like, wow, one of us is up there now. That's yeah. great. So it says that, that only inspired me more to work hard. And um, when I eventually did move back to Los Angeles, he uh, invited me into his solo band. I toured with him. It was my first real taste of international touring. Um you know all the decadence of a radio promotion, all the um, uh, all the fun of doing my first tour bus, that type of stuff. There was a lot of firsts with playing with Gilby, and um, when a couple of years after that, Alice Cooper started noticing myself and Gilby in this you know, being this rock duo, and he was looking for another uh, guitar duo. And he actually asked, um, inquired about, like, what do you think? Would Gilby be interested? Maybe Gilby and, and this guy that he's got, Ryan, would they be interested maybe in coming out to audition? And unfortunately, Gilby couldn't do it. He was he was still involved with his own solo stuff, but he 
totally gave me the endorsement to uh, to get it. He goes, Ryan, you got to get this gig. You, you know, this is a this is a game changer for you. Go out and get this gig. So I went down there and I auditioned, and I knew that they were looking for us for two things. They were looking for an '80s shredder to play all the sort of I guess newer Alice Cooper era songs at that time. And uh, which would be the poisons, the feed my Frankenstein. Well, feed my Frankenstein is literally like a list of the most insane. It was it's like what Joe Satriani, Joe Steve, Satriani Vai, Slash. Steve Vai on the same song, and and of course you know I, I think Slash played on um, Lost in America as well. And so there's this they had their shredder in Red Beach, but oh, even yeah. though I mean there was a lot of shredders that were down at the audition. And Reb is a great, great player. I really love his playing. I love his storytelling. You know, you think I have a couple stories up my sleeve. This guy has even more. And, and he's super, super great to hang with. And be, a lot of people don't understand that being in a band, you got to be a good player. There's, you have to be a certain level of, of, of musicianship. That just gets you in the room. That gets you in the room. The second thing is you got to fucking be on time. Don't be late. All right? Yes. You're disrespecting, you know, countless other people's time when you show up late so alice's golden rule was five minutes early is five minutes late he's never been late to a show he's never been he's always so i i learned from that so you got to be that and you got to learn how to hang out on a bus you got to learn how to hang out with all these personalities that are going to be different it's going to be edgy sometimes it's going to be but you have to be able to just hang with it and ride with it so i knew he was looking for that 80 shredder guy i said you know what there's another type of player he's looking for because he has all those old school classics. I could be the more legato 70s Alice Cooper, you know, sustain, you know, mm -hmm. listen to that sustain yeah. <laughs> sort yes. of guy, you know. Well, and, I, I actually, yeah. the way I call, I, I've, I've named what you do. It's it's the butter. You're like the artery clogging butter of Alice Cooper. You're like that <laughs> thick rhythm channel like just straight up vibe that he needs from that old school 70s thing that just gives that like i see with the es335s and like the you know the the perfect looking les pauls and you're just holding you're just like look at this this is tone kids you're the tone guy you're like basically like you are you are the sustained dude and that's all you that. need to do because when i saw it I, I say it's tasty. It's that you're staying in your lane, tasty. You're not trying to do the Nita Strauss like I play with Jason Becker. I I could do Marty Friedman. You're not that guy. You're the dude that stays in your lane. You do your 70s stuff. And you just own it. You own it straight to the bank from every hat that you wear to your clothes to your swagger on stage. And it's funny because when I saw your podcast, I was almost upset that you were nice. Because when I see you live, I'm like, he's like this stoic, like badass. Like you're smiling, <laughs> but you're like, because I'm killing that fucking chord, like that dime bag Daryl. Like I, I owned that, and like you own it. You like just look at it. You're like looking at the crowd. Like, did you see that I just played that song perfectly? Well, yeah, you did. I think there was a time where I wasn't nice. I think there was a time <laughs> that I. I think there was a time where everything goes to your head. It's almost like those classic VH1 shows where, you know, it's like you, you, you start believing the hype and then you crash and burn. Not in such a big way for, you know, me. I've been lucky enough to sort of keep things pretty straight. But there was definitely some, you know, ego fuckery going on in my head, you know, for, for a while. I can, I can see that. Um, I did... You know, throughout my tenure of Alice Cooper, I, I, I was that 70s guy when I first started out. And then when I transitioned over to, to that more stage left and I, and I started playing with Slash and uh, it started to become a bit of a circus now. Um, and I got back together with Alice on this Brutal Planet tour. I had got blonde dreadlocks. So all of a sudden I was the hot blonde you know, it was, it was before Alice had hired any hot blonde musicians, right? I, I was the hot blonde at that point. And you I was, were the boobs of Alice now, Cooper. It's when I could actually compete uh, shirtless with Chuck Garrick on stage. I mean, that's an impossibility these days. But but back in there was a time when if I would suck it in just right, I could be like, you could almost see bookends there. Because Chuck has always had this, you know, he's been ultra cut. And that, again, is another inspiring I mean, they, thing. That Joe Perry sandblasted, like, he's not jacked, but he looks like heroin sandblasted him to a down oh to his, his straight up, like, <laughs> torso. But he's always, like, perfectly tan. And, like, you know, 
if you do talk to a guy like Paul Geary, he'll tell you that like, <clears throat> Joe Perry will wake up and make eggs in that stuff. But it's like that sandblasted rock and roll look. I, I okay, endorse ben, that. Ben, okay, Ben, ben enough. We don't need to hear continue, from you. Continue, Ryan. Sorry. There's a lot of talk about <laughs> Joe Perry's torso. In fact, we could have a whole episode. I on love just Joe, Joe Perry. Well, actually, we should have a whole other show and just call it Joe Perry's torso because his, 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 his overly tanned torso. And, and obviously, Joe Perry is one of the guys that, you know, we look up to. I mean, come on, the, 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 the bandana in the back pocket, that's a, something that I think all of us rock and rollers sort of borrowed from whether it was Joe borrowing from, you know, Johnny Thunders or maybe a little bit of both. And, and you know, there's there's a guys that we all look up to. And I, I say, might this new school, and even though we're older guys now, we were looking, we were all looking at the same album covers. We were all looking at the same Aerosmith album covers, looking up to, to Joe you know, as an image, we were all looking at the same Hanoi Rocks records, looking at Andy McCoy for image. We were all looking at the same New York Dolls, Johnny Thunder's album covers. Uh, we were all looking at the Rolling Stones, Keith Richards and uh, Ron Wood. So maybe it's, it, it, it is one of those passing of the torches where it's like the Stones sort of passed it on to Aerosmith, sort of passed it on to uh, Hanoi, who sort of passed it on to, you know, guys like myself or maybe Dragon from the Backyard Babies and, 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 you know, how many of us LA guitar players, we look up to those album covers. Cause I mean, again, it goes back to that experience of, of listening to music while staring at an album cover and dreaming. You know, yeah. So I'm not sure what we were talking about because you got me totally sidetracked. Yeah, it's a talent that Ben has. Uh, no, oh. you were talking about when you were you were the blonde. Yeah, I became <laughs> the blonde, and then then I was a much more. I think the ego took a little bit more of control, and um, then I moved to Sweden. And when I got back into the Alice Cooper band, that's when I really was, and that was in 2012. I was able to take stock. And all the things that I felt I could improve upon in this next sort of venture of playing with Alice Cooper, because I got a second chance. I got this opportunity to tour with Alice again. And I think since that 2012 tour, um, going back out with Alice and our first tour was with Air, with Iron Maiden. And that was, a you know, playing these huge amphitheaters all across the U.S. That really put things in perspective for me about, okay, know my role, what I can do as a support, and, and at the end of the day, the most important thing we can do is play the songs in the same spirit that whatever band Alice had put together on those albums, we play with that, that song with that same spirit. That's why, in, in, in some senses, we are a cover band. We just have the luxury of having the original singer because we get to cover all these amazing yeah. eras. You know, like from the inside is this whole era of Alice Cooper music that's so musical, you know, or whether it's the 80s clones era, uh, you know, where, where Alice went a little punk rock or whether it's the industrial era where I got to be a part of it in Brutal Planet. So, or whether it went back to garage rock with... Um, Eyes of Alice Cooper or Dirty Diamonds, which I was able to, you know, have a hand in the writing along with the rest of the band. So I think we all kind of realize that our roles are all supporting the songs. And then when it's our turn to fucking solo, then go out there and be as big a rock star as you can. That's amazing. You said such incredible stuff in the last, like, you know, this whole episode. Um, and you have such amazing perspective. I'm curious. Um, so you mentioned that you got a second chance to go back. At some point you left, or I'm not sure what happened or if you can talk I about moved it. To but, okay, so yeah. you moved to Sweden. So what happened in the interim? And like, was that something that kind of changed your, like, how did you leave the band and come back? Like, how did your perspective change or what sorts of things happened <sighs> in that interim? Uh, the honest truth was, I wanted to see my kids grow up in these early formative years. I didn't know, you know, my personal relationship with my ex was going to end, you know, pan out the way it did, but it did. So I it was, so we ended up living in two separate households, you know, 90 meters. Ah, that's how, you know, I live in Europe, uh, literally like about, you know, 130, 150 feet away from each other, two different apartments. But, you know, I was able to 
be there while they grew up in a lot of these formative years. And what I ended up doing there is I learned how to appreciate all the things that at the later years of not being in Alice Cooper that I had started to take for granted. You know, Mm -hmm. when you start looking forward more to a day off than a show day, then it's time to like reassess and go, okay, what am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Remember what you appreciate about it. Remember all the things that you wanted to do and want to achieve uh, when you were when you were aspiring. You would have killed to play in front of half as many people. So what is it that's happening? So I was able to take stock in that. And when I came back, I think I, I had a much better perspective. And, and I have been. I've been thankful ever since. And obviously this last year, you guys know, you put a podcast together. I put my podcast together. It's 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 fucking sucks not having a gig. We need to perform, so that's what's it's it's almost another perspective for us to 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 look at of like okay we've had this year and a half almost two years of not touring. Like what are we going to do different this time? And what can we what can we do to even appreciate yeah. you know can the you, live uh, shows more? Can you talk a little bit about how? that affected you, you know, the, the lockdown on touring and everything as someone who's done it for so long, um, you know, did, was the, po- the podcast, you said it was, it was late 2019 that you s- started it. So was that something that, yeah, but it, I wasn't doing it weekly, like the way I did it when the pandemic started. Okay. Um, it lit a fire under my ass. Like I really realized that, you know what, the reality, the true reality, as much as we want to think that Alice is going to tour until he's 103, just like Jimmy the Cricket. He's going to tour until he's 103. But we, there is, it is going to be a finite amount of time. You know, it's not going to, you know, go forever. So this kind of just put it in perspective like, okay, what happens if it stops five, ten, who knows how many more years? When Alice wants to retire, he will retire. So that means I just don't want to be like, what do I do now? I had to prepare some stuff. So I did two things. Um, one was start the podcast because I something that I've always done since 2005. I think I was one of the first uh, rock and rollers, at least, to have a podcast. I called it Big Rock Show in 2005. I heard about this guy, Adam Curry. Remember him from MTV? MTV, Adam yeah. Curry. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. He's, he's the pod father. He's the guy that sort of invented the podcast. That's what they call really? it. Yeah. Wow. Yes. This is, this I, wrote, is interesting. I wrote into him with my uh, opinion of what I thought the, the strange video for Guns N' Roses with Gilby Clark was about. Wow. Phil is all in. If you can figure that out, then I guess you can actually. <laughs> no, I'm saying I was so young that you could actually like see at the end of the MTV thing, like you can actually write in. I thought maybe he would read my letter. So I drew all over it and I, I interpreted the strange video because it came out in like 92. I was born in 82. So you can figure out the age, whatever. Or 93 it came out or whatever it is with the dolphins and all that. And I wrote it to Adam Curry and I thought his hair was awesome because he was like the blonde guy. He had Steve West haircut. There you go. Yeah, the Steve uh, West. He kind of looked like Steve Clark. <laughs> yep. There he is. A little bit like Steve Clark, a little bit like there Steve you go. West. All Adam Curry. But the thing is, I, the, the funny thing I remember about the Estranged video, the, watching it, and I was, I was at Gilby's house watching it. Well, it was live on MTV. Oh, my God. And afterwards, the VJ just goes, Wow. <laughs> that was it just one word it was just a one word sort of thing after that because it got a little kooky back in those those, those older years <laughs> but anyway i started the podcast you know because i had read something about adam curry uh, doing this with podcasts and rss feeds and blah 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 so i've been dabbling in it for for many many years i had a um a rock rock and roll interview type of show. I wanted to be like the John Stewart of rock and roll because I always was into the daily show. Love John Stewart. And so I had a show, a uh, big rock show again, but this time it was in, on Swedish television and we got to inter- uh, interview a lot of Swedish artists, you know, um, a lot of different types of Swedish artists, whether it was Armand Armoth, all to the helicopters, to, you know, uh, Electric Boys. And we even had Zach Wilde on as well. So, I mean, we had a, a good run, a good season. And then I've done a couple of different things. And then I've just settled 
okay, 2020, we're not going to tour this year. It looks pretty, uh, pretty bleak for touring, even though they kept dangling the tech, the carrot in front of our heads and I'm saying, Hey, I think it's going to open up in summertime. Yeah. Maybe in the, you know, in the yeah. Yeah, longer. <laughs> no. it, 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 we, I kind of knew that we were, once we stopped our touring, cause we did actually tour in 2020, we toured Australia and New Zealand with airborne killer Australian rock band airborne and the MC 50 with Wayne Kramer. So we were able to, um, do those gigs, but when we came back, everything just kind of shut down. That's when the world shut down. So immediately I just said, you know what? I got to take this podcast seriously, put the team together. Um, we have a great producer, Vic Chalfont. He was totally invested. He goes, look, I, you know, let's just make this happen some way we can do it. And then, you know, we got a, every certain person that would come and join the team, we'd say, okay, what's your strength? What's your strength? You know, Federica, um, our social media coordinator, she does great promotion. Robbie and uh, Miller and Dave Rattenberry, they do great, um, you know, uh, analyzing and consulting and sort of research. And then Scotty Hagen, he's great at fucking marketing and all that kind of stuff. He's actually the uh, CEO of our record label that we have that I put my last solo album out on. So we had a team and then we just started doing episodes and then more episodes and more episodes. And now we're in close to a hundred episodes. Nice. So yeah, we're, we're, we're in it. It's a weekly thing. And that's one of the things they did. The other thing was put together a, uh, guitar class, a thing called the system 12 guitar method. So I, I wanted that. to, uh, teach people guitar in a relatively short amount of time. I think guitar teachers, it's not their fault, no fault of their own. But most teachers need you as a customer, as a client, as long as you can afford to pay and as long as you can, you know, hang in there yep. because your income. I want you one and done. Buy the course, learn guitar, go on, tell tell more friends about it. But what it's if I want to hang out yeah. with you? Because I feel like <laughs> I just, I, I, I hire a lot of people to teach me guitar just so we can talk to each other and I can be like, do you think this riff is cool? And he's like... Why are you doing this? And I'm like, what? What mode is it in? <laughs> I think you, know you found I mean? out, Benny. You started a podcast and you invited me on. So here we are. We are hanging out. <laughs> See? Oh man, cool. Can you give me a lesson, man? Can you just show me something cool? He can send you his course. <laughs> well, on one of those, on one of those old Gibsons. Are those are those old Gibsons or those reissues? Please tell me. Uh, am, am I insulting you even asking? No, 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 no. This is this is the one we would teach on. No. This would be the. This is the one that I like to write the songs on. The hummingbird uh, is beautiful. Yeah, the hummingbird. Yeah. What year is that thing? Um, you know what? It's it's in the two thousands, but it's been beat up and it's been played enough gigs now where it's gotten relicked all on its own. <laughs> That's the best kind. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And then, actually, hell. Um, That's a seven. This is my favorite one. This is my go-to. It's a I've seventy. Seen it. It's a seventy-eight uh, Les Paul. Uh, cherry Beautiful. burst, but the thing that's different and co sort of cool about it, it's got the burst in the oh wow, as well as the headstock. That is cool. Anyone that's uh, just listening to the podcast, make sure you check yeah, out watch the YouTube. The video. Is it is it Norland era heavy? Is it like Dark Matters? It's like sixteen pounds. It's a little bit heavy. It's not it's not Norland era though, but it is it, it was a little bit right right <laughs> after like seventy eight seventy nine some, somewhere around that. I do have a seventy two that's Norland era. That's the sandwich body. It's that's really nice. That's that's Goldie, but anyway, I mean that that's just uh, the System Twelve method. I want to teach people in a really short amount of time, and the things that people know about already apply that to music. So the number twelve comes up a lot. All right, and and the idea is, you know, you take the course, you're going to learn twelve songs or twelve riffs. You're going to learn it in twelve weeks. There are twelve notes total in music. There's actually seven whole notes, but then with their sharps and flats, mm -hmm. there's only 12 notes. That's all you have to learn. On the guitar neck, there's 12 frets until it repeats itself. So this number 12 comes in all over the place. And if you, again, if anyone's interested in playing guitar, because that's my whole mission now is get people inspired with the podcast and then get people to play guitar, 
Just go to ryanroxy.com and you can find all that stuff with System 12. That's amazing. I mean, I think that's kind of what a lot of people are doing now. And obviously this is very unique, but um, it's hard when you're teaching, I think, to have the bandwidth or the time to just reach people. And so I think when you put together like a method or a course or something that is easily shareable or, you know, gives you all of the basics that you need to know, you're right. I mean, a student, you should be able to give as much to them at once and have them take it out into the world. Otherwise, they're just constantly. You don't have 12 frets, do you? That we have no frets. <laughs> so, so what is he even talking about? Is that even accurate? <laughs> well, violin. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder. I, I, that's that really. Doesn't I'm exist. completely accurate when I say there's only twelve notes in music. Oh, no, yeah. I'm just messing. I'm just right, messing absolutely. because I, no, I absolutely know that. I just love to give Siobhan a hard time because right, she's so I'm classically a trained. So She'll I'm... actually try to think of like a logical answer to my complete stupidity. <laughs> well, Eric Weinstein, who I had on the podcast, I don't know if you guys know Eric Weinstein. He's a super so. smart guy, dude. Really intellectual dude. He was trying to tell me, well, that's not really true because there's actually 24 notes or 25 notes in the Gregorian way. Yes. And I was like, Michael whoa. Yeah. You know? Are we talking 440 or 442? 440? <laughs> 43, like what, how are you tuning There's all it, the man. space in between notes on the fretless violin. Yeah, that's true. But no, technically 12 well, Robbie Shankar, sure. come on, man. He was in, but he did all those weird notes in between. He did a lot of weird stuff. Yeah. yeah. Western, Western music. Yeah. <laughs> no, but in the violin world, that's something that's really missing because like violin is such a, it's so inaccessible to a lot of people. Like you really do, the system still exists where you really do have to have the money to buy a violin, have the money to pay a teacher that's expensive because it's violin, you know? Right. And it's, it's there really is no system. It's not the type of instrument where you can easily go on the internet or purchase like a video course and learn because it's just, well, it, it just doesn't really exist. Luckily for guitar, you can. And, and, yeah. I've, and I've created it with the System 12. And on top of it, it's, it's the platform that we use is just the technology is so good. I don't think anyone has, has taken the technology that's out there and applied it to the old school um, mentoring that is definitely needed when you're learning an instrument. So I figured like, look, I, I'm an old school guy. I can, I can inspire you. I can help you, you know, through the video, uh, get to that next level of guitar playing. Like I said, beginner, intermediate up, you, you know, you can get up to that level for sure. But the platform that we're using has scrolling, uh, tablature and notation and a virtual guitar neck that goes along with the video. Mm-hmm. So while you're watching the video, you're actually getting tablet, tab, and notes. And a, so it's a not virtual- just Paul Gilbert sitting there going, "Hey man, do that." You're like, "I'll slow it down." And even when it's slow, you're like, "That's stupid. I will never do that. I don't know why you're playing a purple Ibanez. I can't do that. Sweet picking. I don't even sweep my fucking floor, Gilbert." Paul Gilbert's first. I did read because when I when I when I was doing my when I was doing the research for System Twelve, I was looking at all these older, uh, you know, videos, guitar videos, mm-hmm. and here's the here's a funny fact, and not a lot of people know this. Uh, Satchel, guitarist of Steel Panther, he's in Paul Gilbert's first uh, guitar video playing bass in the jam band. So he's actually just, he's playing bass and he's such a good player himself, Satchel, but you know, he's next to, next to Paul Gilbert and then they have some superstar drummer and it's like, I actually went on and I learned one of the exercises that you're talking about. And even when he played it slow, I was like, there's a, uh, I had to slow it down yeah. even more. His uh, <laughs> he does the the three note per string major scale exercise in one of those that I use to this day. It's like my warm because it's the one thing I could play on that whole thing. Oh wow, that's the one that I learned too. Well, dude, listen, I know it too. The yeah, no, no, Which one are we talking about now? Is it the alternate picking one? It's a thing between me and Corey. We're having yeah, yeah, yeah. We got sorry. I do love that video though. It's, do, but did you get the keys to the Lamborghini? Did you get those from Batio? Hi, I'm Michelangelo Batio, and I'm going to give you the keys to the Lamborghini. Oh, for, is it Ferrari or Lamborghini? Yeah. And this then is he all plays I know that about Michael. Yeah. This, is not, this is not a sexual thing. This yeah. is like, Speed well, kills. It is a sexual thing. Speed kills. Actually. He's like, oh, by the way, I'm going to play guitar at an inhuman level, and then I'm going to try to tell you how you can do that too, but no one can do it. Yeah. Not even Stanley Jordan, who invented it. That's why it's it's nice. I'm guessing the way you described your course, it, it seems like it, it kind of it's less intimidating than some of those other like, you know, very more advanced yeah. players that, ever, you know, yeah. if you're starting out guitar, you're like, I like this guitar. So I'm going to check out their course. And you, you turn it on. You go, fuck that. Yeah. 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 No, this this takes you, you know, 
literally from if you've never played guitar, you'll be able to learn a song your first lesson. And if you already play guitar, you're going to go, holy shit, I didn't ever realize that it's that simple. Because it's basically opposite of what a lot of traditional playing is. You know how in traditional guitar playing, you almost start learning wrong. The first thing that you're taught in traditional guitar playing are your first position chords where your hand, which you've never played an instrument, is forced to do all these weird things and try to do it in time and try and try to resemble some sort of, you know, acoustic song that you didn't want to learn in the first place. So the thing where I do is I say, screw that. You're going to learn your first position course, but that's way down the line of the lessons. First thing you're going to learn are your seven notes. And in fact, even shorter than that, first thing you're going to learn are the notes on your sixth string and fifth string. Because once you know the notes with just one finger on your sixth string and your fifth string, which are the thicker strings, you'll be able to play these things called power chords. Yeah. And once you know power chords, you can play any song ever written. Yeah. So, I mean, before you start learning all these crazy inversions of bar chords and all that stuff, just learn one finger, one note. And um, yeah. That's that's the way we kind of go. We kind of do it a little bit non-traditional, but I think in in at least in my brain, it makes complete sense and hopefully will become the new norm mm-hmm. for when people start, you know, learning in future times. Because I mean, it is going. I don't, I think the guitar is one of those things that when the apocalypse does come, uh, a guitar will always come in handy. You know, it, it won't be so easy to just drag around your your electric, you know, whatever. If, if you have a drum set or something like that, maybe drums will still be, you know, because you'd be banging on sticks and rocks. But but a guitar will always come in handy, whether it's, a you know, taking it on your foraging to, you know, battle the zombies to, you know, wipe, <laughs> hype you up to kill zombies, whatever it is. But the, the, the guitar, I feel, is that instrument that'll always close the deal and always be able to learn. Cause there, there isn't going to be a, you know, uh, DJing and, uh, you know, record players when there's no fucking electricity. Yeah. Let me ask you this in building your course, where did you draw inspiration for like what sorts of methods to use? Like did, and, and I guess this relates back to how, what are some of the things that you learned in, you know, learning guitar yourself that you've incorporated into the course? Um, mostly how to look at the guitar. That's the way, that's the thing that I learned. Uh, I look at the guitar a bit differently because of the, the number 12 and the fret, the fret dots. A lot of people, there's these, these fret markers that you don't use or, you, or you're, you're confused by them. And so you, you, I explained it in such a way where that you can, you can actually work your way around the guitar and it's almost mathematical. Like if you can count if you can count in order A, B, C, D, E, F, G, back to A, that's it. Or if you can count one to 12, you can memorize all your notes rather quickly. You know, you do, you do it in a video game. You do it in some sort of computer program. Why can't you do it on a guitar? It's just putting a finger on, you know, this fret, this string. That's this note. Okay, I equate that forever. This note, I equate this note on this fret forever. So once you have that down, it's, it's, it's pretty much now when someone tells you a song, you can just basically play it. If I go, uh, let me, here's a little test. You play guitar, Corey, right? I I try try to, I try to. How, how, how you're way advanced, right? Where would you put yourself? I'd put myself probably between Green Day and uh, Nirvana. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, so okay, so and do you play guitar as well, Siobhan? No, I don't. Okay, so when she said she doesn't play, she's probably literally no, no, no. I really don't. better my, than all three my, of us. Yeah, no, <laughs> she told me she no, no, played no. piano and she likes playing Franz Liszt, like just in the like, background. Violin like, players always kick absolute ass asshole about everything. her fucking abilities. She's a <laughs> liar. All right, well, I, I will concentrate on stage uh, left. Yes, right? okay. Siobhan, so, you don't matter. Corey and Benny, it's fine. Corey Benny, if I go. These are notes. Now visualize first. Notes on the sixth string, all just sixth mm-hmm. string. You got to name what song this is. A A F F G two three four. A A F F G two 
three, four. What song is that? Every Have Iron I, Maiden song. <laughs> a lot of them. It is close to it. But Corey, do you have Except a guess? Except there's with Steve Harris. First off. Is that Dio? Yes. It's Rainbow Dio. in the Dark. Yeah. There yeah. it is. Yeah. All right, Betty, you got it. Well, hold on, hold on. But just so you know, you could, that could be Stairway to Heaven, parts of Stairway to Heaven. That could be part of Don't Cry. Don't you cry. No, And does walks down like that. So that's why I'm like, he's not playing Vivian Campbell, is he? He's playing Vivian Campbell for real. Oh, so you, so you so, assumed it was. You no, I, it was, I I actually thought it was, was Dio, yeah. but then it was weirding me out because I'm like, that's not well, what he's trying. I, to I, I was thrown off because light orchestra. And and this is just my over analytical brain. Isn't there like an open E in there? Ban out now now ban out now now ban out now now. So yes, okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry. This is my fault for the way my brain works with music. Question it. <laughs> so you both do it, it, but you didn't say anything. So that's what, yeah. that's that's actually good because you, you you were saving face for me. But if you want to learn how to play, and and like I said most people don't know Vivian Campbell, bro. Well, and he's in Def Leppard. Everybody knows Dio. Dude, well, I mean, Ronnie James Dio, he's in a Tenacious D video. Yes. Uh, we just did a tenacious cover of Gates to Babylon, and my and my cat, by the way, played the key the keyboard parts in it. So just so you know, <laughs> we did the Cozy Powell, Richie Blackmore, yeah. and Dio in Rainbow. So it's not really an homage just to Dio, but to also Blackmore and the immortal spirits of Jimmy Bain from Thin Lizzy and Cozy Powell, who we know is one of the greatest drummers ever. That's one of the creepiest things I've ever seen. I know, isn't it awesome? <laughs> dude, I'm telling you. It's so creepy. Do, do, do you still sleep with that at night? No, dude, my friend my my <laughs> daughter's uh friend's mom crocheted this for me and then she made me like a really nice happy cat. Oh, she made me this cat. Hold on. I got to show you this. <laughs> This cat makes an appearance in every podcast. Does this happen all the time on the show? She, she oh, yeah. yeah. This yeah. Thing. It's this huge, normal. but it's like way not creepy. I like this because it looks like it's about to put a hex on you. This is <laughs> They're like, both pretty high. creepy. You know, I mean, this is, this is like gremlins is creepy. creepy. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's a whole nother genre of fetish that I can't even get in right now. It's like, you know, there's, there's Furbies and, that's yeah. the, and then there's this whole new thing of cat Stuffed animal. This cat, cat plays in, a, in two videos with David Abruzzese of Pearl Jam with Carmine, uh, who played it with uh, uh, bass with David uh, with David Bowie. We had uh, uh, Bernard who sings the, uh, the, the cat's Stones. discography is, with the is cat. irrelevant it's pretty, at the with moment. With the cat, dude. The cat's in the video. Back, <laughs> back to the uh, the. I have a yodeling pickle. I do. I do. I have a yodeling pickle, and and this is. A, I mean, obviously, it's. I don't. I'm not as close to it as you are with the cat, but it, but it does live in our our tech who's warranty who's actually from Boston. Uh, it lives in his uh, work case, and before every show, I use the yodeling pickle to for my sound check because I don't want to play I don't want to play chords. And Alice likes to like say, look, no no sound, no musical sounds before the show starts, before the intro tape. None of this, you know, rap rap rap. So so. What I have is this yodeling pickle, and it's basically um, press a button, it yodels. I put it right next to the pickup of the guitar, and then I can adjust my in ears to, to the <gasps> sound. And now I know we've done enough shows. We've done hundreds of shows with a yodeling pickle. But but the thing is, it comes through the through the speaker. It's a pickle. But everyone always wonders what the fuck is that sound? And now I just gave it to you. It's the yodeling pickle that we sound check with. Well, hopefully like when we come and see you in uh, in September when you come around with Alice Cooper and Ace well, Freely. Listen, listen up how, for the yodeling Can I pickle. ask you this? So, Does your cat yodel? Does your uh, cat yodel? And, and, and honestly, they're gonna be so angry because here's here's the secret. I am the cat, so like, uh, I, if I if you tell the the cat to yodel, that just means you're telling Siobhan and Corey that they have to listen to me. You're yodel not coming to the cat. show if you bring that cat. I'm telling you right <laughs> I, now, I, I don't have cat's too creepy, cat dude. I I feel like I'm gonna get some sort of. It's gonna be front row, and that's you're just exactly, gonna see this thing. But up. that's how I want people to feel when they look at this cat. I mean, look those at his eyes. Those it green looks, eyes it looks, are it's so gonna, creepy. Like in the middle of the night, it's just like looking over you, like. How are you, Ryan? How's everything you. going? <laughs> you know, I, I, I love how creepy it is. It's so genuinely creepy. And she didn't mean uh, to make it creepy, but she made it creepy, and that's what I told her. And she's like, okay, well, I'm glad. I don't know how this all turns south. 
It's those yeah. eyes. It, it usually you happens left around turn this somewhere time. Yeah, this happens in every episode, especially yeah. as we get to the end of the second yeah. one. Yeah, well, the point is to check out, check out the System 12 program. <laughs> right, absolutely. Absolutely. Learn how to actually play guitar, not to get derailed on how not to play the guitar. And by the way, it's Rainbow in the Dark. If you guys have not heard that song, it's off an album called Holy Diver, which, by the way, I will show you right now. Great album. Yeah. The number of I times mean, Ben has gotten up from his mic in this episode. That is astounding. I have a signed copy. Oh wow, there it is. A great, I, that well, that um, was on my um, wall growing up too. I I had um, a bunch um, of Diver. album covers on my wall, and that was one of them. Um, we got we had the uh, the pleasure of touring with Ronnie James Dio back in uh, the early two thousands. I think it was Heaven actually two thousand two thousand one. No, no, no. It was after. It was it was uh, his solo stuff. And uh, Craig Goldie was playing guitar, and um, I just remember his voice every single night, spud on. And here's the crazy thing about about Ronnie, he has the best memory because we toured in what I guess it was 2000, and then like years, years, years afterwards, we were it was at Long Beach Arena. I think I was going to see Kiss, and we're walking down, and, and we're walking uh, back to the cars. And we walked through the back section of it because we got lucky because, you know, we knew Eric Singer. Eric Singer played with Alice Cooper and now he played with Kiss. So we got the, the lucky VIP parking. So did Ronnie James Dio. I had no idea that Ronnie James Dio would remember me. Of course, we all know Ronnie. And he first thing he says, he goes, Ryan Roxy, how you doing, my friend? And I was like, oh, shit. Ronnie James Dio remembers my name. This is insane. That was my highlight. Yeah, I forgot all about, you know, Gene Simmons getting stuck up on the, you know, the wires and not being able to, you know, spit blood at the show or, you know, Paul Stanley's, you know, rush across the stage and it stopping halfway. And I literally just forgot all about that cat. All I could remember was that uh, Ronnie James Dio remembered my name. That's amazing. And that's, that's not about who you know, it's who knows you. And that's such a, a testament again to your your impression on people and the fact that ryan james dio did remember you it, it look it it definitely goes down to the fact that you're a memorable guy and but what a wonderful testament to who you are as a person to have a guy the i call him the freddie mercury of metal and not to say that freddie mercury wasn't metal in his own way but he, he, but but he was like you could hear him singing over the monitors mm-hmm. you know what i mean like his voice like i i, I got to be front row uh, with heaven and hell. And I mean, you could hear him singing at you. And so like, I understand that. And it's one of those, and he's a guy that like, he didn't miss a note. He, he was always like uh, the same thing between uh, songs and all of that, you know, like, Oh, this is uh, you know, a track off, you know, um, the mob rules, you know, a track, the track two on side B, you know, he like, was doing it in a much lower voice. You go, yeah. I'm this song. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, I'm way too like high. Was, almost yeah. like he was doing like a, a jazz sort of, fr- this is another Frank Sinatra type. and yeah, well this one, this next song we're going to do is uh, one off of the uh, Holy Diver album. And the thing it, it, it's, it's amazing. Like you say that he remembered Ryan, my name, Ryan Roxy, and but other than that, I just was thinking, and it kind of hit me now. What's the one thing that you couldn't remember, or you couldn't remember ever seeing? That would be a rainbow in the dark. How could you ever see a rainbow in the dark? You couldn't, right? Ultra, or could you? Uh, uh, or could uh, Ronnie? Yeah. Could maybe yeah. Make, tripping. Or could that fucking cat? Tripping, <laughs> tripping. I guarantee you. <laughs> Literally, David Abrazis is like, dude, take some acid, bro. You'll see rainbows everywhere. <laughs> oh, my God. Including the dark. In the dark. In the yeah. D- yes. Yeah, dude. I'm in the dark about this whole episode, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we've definitely. Most we people are. usually are. Every, everybody is, including our listeners. That's why they keep coming back. They're like, but why? It's <laughs> <laughs> a great trophy room you got there, though. Well, thank nice you, one. man. I appreciate it. This, I, I'm a hoarder. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. That's nothing compared to his other, like the true guitar it's room. Very bad. <laughs> and Siobhan I, looks like honestly, Siobhan looks like this is what this is the would have been my apartment. Like, because I had roommates in the in the 80s. Like, if you lived in if you lived in Hollywood, it would be like you get those those blinds, and that would be your partitioned room. Oh, so that yeah. would be my entire room in the 80s of my apartment. Living. Yeah, and that would be like this is my room. <laughs> yeah. Well, it depends on where she is. Between yeah. Ohio, she's in a badass studio. 
But then if she's there in Miami, she's in a studio apartment. Yeah, so this is, I'm in a studio so, apartment, so this is yeah. like my makeshift like room divider thing. But you're totally right. Yeah, my, my husband's a guitar player, and so whenever I do podcasts from there, it's like like these guys. There's guitars everywhere, and he's positioning stuff so people can see stuff in the background. I'm like, if someone asked me about this, I wouldn't even know what to say anyway. So. My camper's talking to your camper while the VHD's <laughs> talking to your Wagner. Yeah, but, but Corey's a little obvious. Like, he wants people to know that he also plays bass. <laughs> Does he though? Is that to, something you yeah. should be proud of, Corey? Yeah, I got them you know all in there. Guitar players get all the glory. Bass players get all the chicks, <laughs> and they hold on to their per diems like no other. Yeah, I've never met a bass player that didn't have their per diem since the first tour they went on. So good for them. <laughs> Wow, that's the like first pro bass player that. advocate of yeah. all like eighty something episodes we've had. Like, I it's thought always, it was kind of bashing bass players a little bit, just like you know. Well, no, I know, but that's just, that's nice by oh. comparison to how we are with bass. Yeah, players. there's been plenty of of bassist jokes. I like the uh, you know what's what's black and blue and bleeding in a ditch, like a guitarist that made too many bassist jokes. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, well, listen, actually, you know what? I will say I did get a book in the mail from Carol Kay that said good vibes and had a picture of a bass clef yesterday. So maybe that was the sign from the universe that bass is coming into my life. You guys uh -huh. need to watch more jazz because like a lot of my friends here in Miami are jazz musicians and the bass players hold it down. They are like incredible. I mean, without the. <laughs> I feel like I've never met a bass player what in their lives they hold it down. Like Jocko Pistorius, greatest bass player ever, but couldn't even find a place to live. <laughs> you want to hear a funny story about yes. this? We're on tour with Alice. It's during, I believe it's during the Brutal Planet tour or maybe it was the tour after that Dragon Town, but Calico Cooper who's Alice's daughter, she's in the show now. Um, now, currently, we have Alice's wife, Cheryl, who's in the band. So they've actually swapped positions a couple times where they, they've handed the the uh, uh, whip, the leather whip and the, you know, uh, the nurse's outfit. They've, they've passed those back and forth a couple times. But so I've gotten a tour, you know, with Calico and with Cheryl. So this is back in the days with Cheryl or with Calico in the band. We're in Salt Lake City. There's a tattoo artist giving out free tattoos in Salt Lake City, Utah. Who wouldn't get one? Who wouldn't pass up on that? <laughs> Me, because I have no, no tattoos. Yeah. That's my, that's my, you know, Alice Cooper. I look at you. You're uh, Benny's kind of like uh, no tattoo. I have one yeah, token pretty, tattoo that I got just so my here. parents can't oh, okay. put me in, 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 in a Jewish cemetery. I got you. Yeah, can't that was go my rebel it. yell. <laughs> Okay, I got everything you. else. I'm, it's all it's all kosher. Violin players don't really have tattoos, do they? No, not really. Not even a piece of like on your ankle or something. Like no, that? Corey, you no, have nothing. No, Corey, Corey nothing? I'm, too, I'm too I'm too indecisive. Okay, so, I, I'm, I'm the same. Yeah. I, I wouldn't know what to get. Yeah. So so Benny has the obligatory Paul Stanley cherry. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. basically <laughs> what it is. You know, it's like the yeah. the, the, the the one. So we're yeah. kind of a tattooless bunch. Not the case here in Salt Lake City because uh, everybody wants to get a tattoo. Well, at least two people do. Calico does, and the bassist, Greg Smith, does. But because it's, you know, kind of one of the first tattoos or one of the, you know, everyone's a little bit hesitant, a little bit afraid of it. So we start drinking. And uh, Great it's at the start. end of the show. Everyone's, at that point, everyone's well, 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 well drunk. And uh, Greg Smith goes, I want a tattoo now. Let's go get that free tattoo. And we get there and we go, what are we going to get? And what, do, what are you going to do, Greg? He goes, I don't know. Calico, draw a bass clef. <laughs> Calico freehands a bass clef. <laughs> Boom. 15 minutes later, guess what instrument Greg Smith plays? You'll... Oh, you'll never guess. He plays bass. And now he has a bass clef on his arm. Forever known. Designed by Calico Cooper. There we go. Yeah, that's my story. That's and, and, and at the same night, Calico Cooper got uh, a tramp stamp put on that uh, was a tiny bit too high. Because I think Brittany, because it, well, maybe, maybe, maybe she, she was a she tiny bit too high. She will saying that. She'll, she'll, she'll yeah. go, what? well, I, I, I don't know what the exact length or height of a tramp stamp should be. I think this was this was a little bit too high. My fiance has a fairy. <laughs> what and she a description. Knows how I feel about it. 
Okay. I think you should base all <laughs> tramp stamps on whatever Britney Spears has. And then go from there if with, on a height level, whether it's yeah. a little okay. too high or too low. And I think okay. that's what she, I think honestly that's what Cal, Callie was going for because at that time she was doing a bit. She would she did uh, she did a bit of Britney because we had a, a part where Britney would come out. I mean, Calica's an amazing performer. She 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 performs in um, uh, Chuck's band, Bisto Blanco, and Chuck and Calica have the band together, and, and they call Bisto Blanco, and they do this uh, sort of beauty and the beast thing that they they have and it's a really cool combination between the two of them i really like their band and uh, yeah maybe she will be mad at me about that uh that story about the tattoo but i will always give her credit for designing greg smith's bass clef <laughs> and i remain tattooless through it all wow yeah it's incredible you could have got a guitar clef put on your arm you know what i would have gotten if i would have known like all these years ahead what if i would have gotten the cat and I was going to have turned around oh. and it's that. Oh my God, dude. You have. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> I thought you were talking about Peter Chris. Yeah, Peter Chris. Yeah. No, no, I play with Eric Singer. I play with the. Uh, no, well, we, we don't. See, listen, I'm from a time where Eric Singer is better on every single level. So, you know, I, I am no. under no delusions that just because it's the original, that it's better. Well, I'm a huge Eric Carr fan as well. Well, Eric Carr. Again, he's a legend to the point where, like, I mean, obviously he's up there. With, he's not here anymore. So there's obviously a mystique of people that, you know, that are no longer here. But, you know, I've heard more people from that time period that loved Kiss tell me that they bought a drum set exactly like, you know, Eric Carr than anybody else. And, you know, I went back and watched his drum solo because I don't know. I'm an idiot, dude. I, I came into the Psycho Circus era. You know what I mean? I saw, I saw all of that. I didn't know how bad Kiss Alive that drum solo was. I didn't know how bad it was with all the delay. I, I didn't know as an adult. I, I just it had wasn't this, though. It wasn't bad. But it was it's just not diff- bad. But I mean, now I love it for what it is. But like, you go and watch Eric Carr, and you're like, okay, okay. Gene Simmons and Paul literally found the guy that can do everything. And yeah. like, I, I have so much respect for that because you know it's one of those things where I learned later in life I should show respect. And that's a guy that you show respect to and that, you know, give your devil horns to the heavens at all times. <laughs> well, I'm actually doing an Eric Carr project tribute that's, that's for a charity that uh, with, with uh, some Swedish musicians that are actually, you know, Dragon's one of them from Backyard Babies. And uh, I played, I'm trying to, th- I was just trying to look up the song that I, I just played uh, guitar on. And uh, it, it, it's, 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 he had some great, great stuff so um i played a little bit of, of uh, on an ace song and i played uh some rhythm guitars on this eric carr song so that should be coming out soon and maybe nice. we'll put the links up for that sure you know, yeah yeah absolutely out. Yeah, it's called the eric us. carr project and it's uh, based here in sweden uh gustav kronfeldt who uh who designs a lot of my videos and edits a lot of the uh, lyric videos that i put out for my newest solo album he uh is sort of heading this project and it's it's cool because it's all you know the, the proceeds go to charity it's a good thing that's great and um yeah on, on that note you know obviously uh, we appreciate you coming on you know real quick as we wrap up the last five minutes or so what is uh what's coming up next for you um by the time this airs and hopefully it'll air sooner than later um we will <laughs> are going on tour you know let's Hell let's yeah. keep our fingers crossed that uh everything remains in a forward motion you know, at this point, it's 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 tough to say. It's it is the United States. We're living in a crazy world, and uh, but hopefully everything uh, works out so that we can tour as many states as possible. And all all the tour in uh, September October, uh, Alice Cooper, Ace Fraley. Uh, it's going to be a good double bill. Um, we've toured with Ace before in Australia. He's a, he's an amazing dude, and his band that he's got going out now is. Uh, all top notch, all guys from Nashville. So um, I think it's going to be a really good tour. I like it when there's package deals. You know, I, I don't mind it when it's an evening with because then you know you really have this intimate thing with just Alice. But you know, my heart is like with the old yeah, rock yeah. shows. I well, like, it's a one-two like, punch, dude. Because you, yeah, like, I, I, I love because I love it's having, like, are you upset that Van Halen's playing with Led Zeppelin? Like, are you mad about it, bro? Like, I'm not mad because, like, listen. 
I, I got schooled with Ace Freely. I, I did not know how good he was, like, solo. Like, I saw him, like, talking off the side of the stage, and he was just, like, rambling to himself. But then when he came on stage, he was so on point, and he just, like, he blew my mind. I was like, anything that I had ever thought that Ace Freely wasn't the best guitarist singer. I played, I played the solo singer. on Snowblind. I played the guitar on the, for this Eric Carr project. I played the guitar, the lead guitar for Snowblind. It was one of the hardest solos that I've had to like pick out in a long time. It's fucking and I was, hard, dude. But I, but I, I love doing it because it was a whole process because Ace yeah. was obviously, you know, the reason why I showed you that Cherry Burst, the reason why I play a Cherry Burst is because, partly because of Ace. So, you know, that's what we'll be doing in September, October. And um, then 2022, fingers crossed, uh, we're going to go back out and start touring uh, packed, you know. It was like jam packed. I, 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 like I said, I want to get. I've we've had enough time off to reflect about all the things that uh, we might have stopped appreciating these last couple of years, and about touring. Oh, it's the road. It can get hard. <laughs> time away. Yeah, I get. I get all that. But guess what? This is what you do. It's what you've always wanted to do. So you have the opportunity to go do out and do it again. Enjoy the fuck out of it. And if you're not playing music, start learning an instrument, you know, or start doing what it is that you love. Because that's the other thing that this whole pandemic and time off has taught us, at least taught me, is that uh, you got to do stuff that you like doing. You got to, you know, because it's 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 really too short if we if we don't. If we, it, it, it'll go by quickly. This I mean, as as long as it's been, Hasn't this year and a half kind of gone by kind of like this? Absolutely. Yeah. Should we leave yeah. like everybody on an introspective soliloquy courtesy of one Ryan Roxy, the, the great guitarist <laughs> from Alice Cooper with his 12-step method to teach anybody, including people. See, I can't even remember. I can't even listen. Sound, Eight, six, no. seven, five, three, oh, nine. That's what yeah. my brain can remember, and that's it, Ryan. So Maybe I'm not good for this. Maybe you enroll yourself into the 12-step program. Yeah. I yeah, what that might all, actually help. That's the, yeah. it's really more of just like just being a better person is what I need to do. I don't need. Yeah, there's no alcohol involved. There's, there's in, no or number narcotics. of steps that can get you there. Yeah, it's uh. it's more like steps to like trying to be better at check, everything. Yeah. Check well, out. That, that's the very Jordan Peterson twelve rules of to life. You know, um, <laughs> who's another guest that we've had on the podcast? So if I can steer some people yeah. uh, over to our podcast, I mean, Absolutely. in the trenches. Washes, one hand washes the other, both hands wash the feet. That's what my buddy Weeds used to say. And uh, he was an old roommate, and he lived in the room that I think Siobhan is now taking yeah. uh, <laughs> hold of. This is but, a green uh, screen. <laughs> she just actually so, has a giant cat that looks like this sitting behind her. Yeah. No. <laughs> Only a matter of time before it came back. But, yeah, I mean... If I am going to leave with any sort of philosophical advice, it's just enjoy the ride. I'm kind of like Damone from uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which is another great movie that you might want to check Does out. Does this mean it's haven't... our time? No, that's actually Spicoli saying that line. No, I know. My favorite guy is Damone because he's the one that sells the Aerosmith and Cheap Trick tickets. You know, the Rick Nielsen, Robin Zander, your mama's all right. Da, 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 da. But... The most important thing he says is wherever you are is the place to be. And that's, I think, a good way to end this. Right. Absolutely. And you've right. been right. 20, please, please subscribe to 020-D.com and good. Corey Peza. Yeah, RyanRoxy.com. Uh, was it Ryan Roxy Official on YouTube and that's Instagram? Is it the same for that? At Ryan Roxy, yeah. Basically just type yep. into whatever uh, social media yeah, poison you, you uh, yeah, Use the Google. And yeah, if you go see Alice Cooper with Ace Freely, the Space Ace, uh, you know, this summer, um, you're going to see Ryan rocking out with Tommy and with uh, Nita Strauss, who if you haven't heard Nita on her solo stuff, she's a, she went out with Angel Vivaldi, who we had on the show. Yep. She is a yep. shredder, demon, hurricane, crazy lady blazing it up for everybody. Like, she's insane. So, I mean, the whole show is insane. Don't forget about our lead singer. Don't forget oh, about our guy, drummer. There's a guy named Alice Cooper, Glenn Sobel, by the way, I absolutely, I got to tell you, he is one of the most fun dudes to watch live. Glenn Sobel, I mean, he just is the guy that you understand why he's played with everybody. He fills in for, with everybody. He's kind of like the, the more rock Max Weinberg. 
<laughs> the only thing more fun than watching him on stage is watching him in catering. <laughs> That's What's where it's that most like? fun to watch everyone. I think it's weirder. Goes, it's weirder than watching the relationship with you and that stuffed animal cat. <laughs> That's, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's that's strange, Glenn Sobel. We need to find out what's going on. <laughs> find out the mystery of all. Have Glenn on the on the uh, podcast. I Dude, think you should tell you should tell great. Glenn because I've I've met him by. I also have a picture I can send with him where he shows how freakishly tall he is by comparison to me. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I, well, at least his hair is. It's, that is true. Yeah. That is true. It's been a pleasure um, being on the show, guys. Thank, thank you so much for having me. Please, we really Our appreciate pleasure. it. Take thank care so and have much. fun on the road one, this year. See ya. Thank you again. See you out there. Thank you as always for checking out this episode of 2020. Please visit 2020-d.com. Like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. This week's throwback clip is from episode number 20 featuring Dave Aberziz, formerly of the band Pearl Jam, which you may have heard of. Check it out. I tried, but I could never really understand this business thing. It went from getting in the van, us busting ass, um, things going okay, um, selling millions of records, all this shit, blah, 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 and, and that quick, and, and we were so busy, our schedule was so busy. The only thing that mattered was playing, being able to perform every night, and, and you know, I still, I'm proud to say that I can, I know every time I ever fucked up. Every live show, I, I remember every mistake, and there was four of them. Was it. <laughs> and I mean, I'm talking about like, you know, missing the snare. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or going to grab a symbol and knuckling it. But other than that, um, you know, I, <laughs> I paid attention to the music. I tried to understand the rest, but luckily there were all these people getting paid a ton of money to take care of all of it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I didn't, I didn't see bills, and then I was a millionaire, and I, and I, when I didn't see bills when I was broke or file taxes, and when I was a millionaire, I didn't see bills or file taxes either. Oh, wow. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series about how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon. From Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now.